Hello, friends and fellow craft beer drinkers. Welcome to Tap the Craft Podcast. My name is Denny Luce, and along with me, as always, is the homebrew engineer himself, John Ream. John, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. Work's been a bit of a killer, but had a nice, relaxing weekend, so I'm, I'm ready to, to attack some more beer goodness. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I can't wait to hear about your, your beer goodness. But in case any of our listeners out there, this is the first time you are listening to our show, Tap to Craft is a podcast that is focused around education on craft beer. We like to celebrate all things craft beer and helping people along in their craft beer journey. So welcome. You're listening to episode 55, and we're recording this on Sunday, August 28th, 2016. And in this episode, we are going to talk about a lot of listener feedback from the last show or two, as well as some questions. And we do have a couple of news articles that we want to go into a little bit more detail in with you guys and, and talk about. And of course, you can always count on John and I having our normal beer banter. But before we get into all that great beer topic, John, what are you drinking tonight? So I'm drinking the Lagunitas Stupid Wit. Ah, I just had that. Um, which uh, is really pleasant so far. Um, nice citrus in the nose. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. But we've been getting a lot of Lagunitas seasonals and one-offs hitting our area lately. and It's been nice. Oh, good. So Good, yeah. Well, how about you? Yeah, well, I'm drinking something that I have had in the past, but I haven't had it since I've been untapping, which is good because it's a new unique for me. But uh, I have a, a friend came over to uh, to work on our uh, our fantasy football draft, and he brought a six-pack of this Kona Big Wave Golden Ale, and it's from Kona Brewing. And I know that this is a favorite of our – well, it's a favorite of one of our – good buddies Jason Lacey and it, I mean I think I believe it reminds him of the good times that he and his wife had on their honeymoon and so this beer it holds, holds a special place in their heart and uh, it's not bad it's a light golden ale and it goes down pretty easy I'm already halfway through this glass before we even get started because I I'm a little thirsty nice yeah okay John so have you done anything fun or interesting or just something you want to talk about uh, yeah, so I mentioned work's been real tough lately and uh, a lot of extra hours. And uh, our buddy Rob's been staying with us for a little bit. And he decided that uh, yesterday he was going to barbecue a whole bunch of meat. And I didn't have to do anything but sit around, drink beer, and eat. And I said, that sounds awesome. Uh, so early in the morning, uh, he threw on a pork shoulder and a brisket and... We smoked those all day, drank beer, had had some fun. Pete and Amanda came over, our friends Pete and Amanda, um, we've mentioned before. Uh, they brought some beer. Uh, yeah, it was just a good time. Good friends, good food, good beer. It was a good good way to relax and just let off some steam. 
So. All right. Well, that's good. That means that your barbecue is all fixed. You got it all up and working. It is. Yeah. Okay. Good. So, summer is is for real here now. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. You can't you can't have a summer without a barbecue. So I'm glad you got that fixed. Yeah. Yeah. So how about you? What have you been up to? Well, like you, I've been working. And uh, things got you know got a little away from us from all the, the stuff going on in our lives, but we're here. Thank goodness we have a show for everyone. And today was a busy day for me. I had two fantasy football drafts, uh, one with the OF Open Forum Radio Network crew. Uh, that was uh, earlier in the day, and it was it was fun to get it, you know get online and hang out with those guys, chat on Skype, and then uh, do our draft. It should be a fun season. And then literally. Directly after that, my uh, uh, fantasy football league that I've been hosting for 10, this will be 11th year that I've been doing it, uh, we got our draft together. And, of course, it couldn't go very smooth. Normally, we hold our draft on Labor Day weekend. And I, th- I think that's a good weekend because everyone else is out doing their last hurrah camping trips and stuff. And so nobody's online drafting because now that we're drafted a week in before, I think everybody was online drafting their football teams on our site that we use, and it crashed. And it took an extra hour and a half to draft this year than normal because we lost the site for almost an hour. And it was, and even after we got it back, it was really, really slow. And it was just every pick was like waiting a minute after you pick it for it to actually show up on the website. So that was kind of a drag, but it's over. And now I'm well lubricated. You're probably going to hear a lot of slip-ups from me. We probably have a lot of bloopers. Uh, and I'll probably be slurring my words throughout the whole podcast. And hopefully it'll be a short one so that you guys won't get too disgusted with me. But now you understand where I'm coming from. So you feel good about your teams? Uh, you know what? I always feel good about them right after I draft because I'm not all there. Tomorrow, uh, I may be a little bit disappointed in the <laughs> <laughs> what I drafted. So we'll <laughs> fair see. enough. Fair we'll enough. see how it goes. <laughs> All right, John. So, along with the barbecue you've been doing, has there been any great beers that you've been drinking? Uh, yeah, I've had quite a few. A couple of which came from the barbecue day that I'll talk about in a second. Uh, but the first one I'll mention is a beer that we talked about on the last episode, mm. which is the Three Way IPA. Uh, which is something Fort George does every year. Uh, and they bring in two different breweries each year. And this year they did it with Barley Browns and Melvin Brewing. And I tell you what, this year's version is fantastic. It is. It is. Uh, tons of tropical uh, character in there, pineapple, a uh, little resiny. Um, I mean, almost anything you might want out of hops you can find in that beer, but in a way that really works well together yeah nothing is like clashing or just dominating like it it was really well done um and the artwork on the can this year is great so um if you want to collect a nice looking can (laughs) for it (laughs) yeah no i i've had that beer too and i have to agree it is way better than last year's version uh i was very impressed it's well worth the uh I don't know, like three fifty a can or something for it. It's kind of expensive, but it's it was worth it. I really enjoy it too. Yeah, yeah, it was really nice. All right, so these last two beers are I, I had on our big barbecue day, and the first comes from Belching Beaver uh, Brewery uh, down in San Diego area, and uh, they've just recently started uh, distributing here. So I've been slowly picking my way through their beers as they arrive um, at the bottle shop, 
And I tell you what, they do have some great names. Um, not so much this one I'm going to talk about, but they, they fully embrace the beaver. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're ever curious, just go look up their beers. Uh, you'll, you'll get quite a few laughs. Uh, but this one uh, was Here Comes the Mango, uh, which was a mango IPA that was really good. The fruit came across really well, but uh, it didn't, it wasn't all that was there. You know, it still had some additional complexity from the hops and it just complemented really well. Um, and so far, I've been really happy with all the beers I've had from Belching Beaver. So it's a brewery to check out if, if it's available in your area. Um, so uh, that one I recommend. And then this one, uh, I think most people should be able to find, which is the Stone 20th Anniversary Citricato uh, IPA, which is a double IPA uh, brewed with citra hops and avocado flower honey. Wow. Um, we weren't sure exactly what to expect from that. Honey can do a lot of different things and sometimes it just doesn't show up at all. Um, and, uh, this one, uh, seemed to be hit and miss with people because this beer has a bit of a floral sweetness. Um, well, not really a bit. It does come through quite, uh, strongly at times, uh, towards the end. Uh, and you know, a lot of times with the, the big double IPAs, you want it really dry, uh, it gets sweet, it can become cloying really fast, and just not pleasant to, to drink. But this one really worked for me, and I, I really enjoyed it, and it was interesting and different. Uh, but the, the that floral sweetness, uh, which I'm assuming is coming from the honey, just worked really well. It kind of reminded me of agave syrup. Mm-hmm. You ever tasted that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, but it was very interesting, not something you get all the time. So uh, I, I'd recommend it. it okay. It's, it's worth a try. So Yeah, I, I've seen it in the bottle shop. And in fact, on Friday, I almost grabbed it. But because we were going out after, you know, after that, we weren't – I didn't want to leave it in the car for all night before I got home. I was afraid it was going to get, you know, overheated or something. I just, I just didn't want to leave it in the car. So I didn't pick up any beer to take with me out of the bottle shops, but I saw it sitting there and I was so tempted because I was like, Ooh, that sounds like something that I might enjoy. So next time I'm up there, I will pick it up on your recommendation. Yeah. Yeah, definitely do. Uh, so how about you? What noteworthy beers have you had lately? Well, I, I mean, honestly, I have not been drinking that much in the last couple of weeks. Uh, my beer intake is, is, is low. Uh, but I have had a couple that I want to mention that, if you guys can find in your areas, I really recommend uh, giving these a shot. And the first one is a collaboration beer from a Belgian brewery and uh, a American brewery. It's from the Prof, the Prof Brewery and Trillium Brewing, uh, and it's called Bouquet. It's a it's a saison or farmhouse ale, and. Uh, I don't know. I, I just probably butchered the hell out of that name, but it comes in a small little 10 ounce or like a third, third liter bottle. And it, uh, it says Saison or farmhouse right on the front of it. And it's, it looks like a, you know, like a Belgian beer and it tastes fantastic. It's delicate. It's light. I think a lot of people that, that, uh, I don't know. It, it has a little bit of tartness to it, a little bit of Brett character. I, I'm, I'm taking it was in there. But it, it was it was very. I don't know. It, I can't explain it. It's it's it has flavor that's not 
in your face. It's very delicate, and but when it comes out, it just makes you feel like, wow, this is hitting on all spots, and it's really kind of everything I really enjoy in a good farmhouse ale, uh, but not an overabundance amount in, in a nice, even-keeled, clean way. Uh, I really I really loved it. In fact, I have two bottles. It's a little bit expensive. It's like four, four or five bucks a bottle, but uh, it's worth at least two, if not a six-pack of this beer if you really enjoy farmhouse sales. John, have you come across this beer in, in Seattle? Uh, no, I haven't, but I'm going to look for it. And yeah, it definitely sounds like something to pick up a few, try one, and see how it ages. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, I really liked. I gave it. A, I gave it a perfect five on Untapped. So that tells you uh, what I thought of it. It's. It's. I mean, I was going to give it like a four and a half, and I said, "Why would I give it a four and a half? This is really hitting everything I really enjoy in in a farmhouse." Without, I mean, I. I don't know. I really liked it. So I know we have some listeners that also enjoyed it, and and. Uh, I think uh, one of our lo- local listeners, Tom Byrne, here in the Boise area, he he had it before I had it, and and he commented on Untapped that hey, he really liked this beer too. So hey, cheers to you, Tom. I enjoy it, and he actually got a second bottle himself. And maybe John, I'll pick up if I don't drink this other bottle before I come see you. Maybe I'll bring it with us, and you can you can taste it uh, for yourself. I think you'll enjoy it. That sounds like a good plan. Yeah. So the other beer, I'm pretty sure that if you haven't had, you can get. And it's from Iron Horse Brewing out of Ellensburg, Washington. And I really, really enjoy this brewery. They have so many great beers that that I just, I think they taste very very good. And I think they do a good job brewing. And this one is the Iron Horse Two Live Brew English Brown Ale. <laughs> and yes, it is a play on the Two Live Crew. Uh, me so malty is the the little subtitle to it, which just makes me laugh every time I see that. So if you're not familiar, there was a a group out back in the '80s called Two Live Crew, and they did this uh, me so horny song that was like the 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 rave of the the radio back in in the mid '80s. So now, John, tell me you've heard of that song, right? Yes. Okay. I, I have heard of it, but unfortunately, I haven't had the beer. Oh my god! Keep the keep an eye out for it because we get Iron Horse all over the place. Oh right yeah, here. yeah. This beer is. I gave it a four and a half on Untapped, and it's full of malt. It's a multi brown, almost to the limit where it would it could fall into maybe a more lighter porter side. It, it almost almost travels into the porter realm, but man, it has so much multi chocolatey little bit toffee flavor in there. It was just fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I recommend anyone who is teetering on finding a brown ale that they they can sink their teeth in. This one is a a really good brown ale. Okay, John. Now I've already hinted at the fact that you're pro. You know that that the listeners are probably going to be disappointed in me that that uh, you're catching up. You know a lot faster on our untapped distinct uh, check-in thing. So what's the What's the tally this week? Uh, yeah, as you've mentioned, uh, you did not have um, very many beers this week. I mean, you only had eight uniques over the, the last couple of weeks, uh, which I think is probably a low for this year if I <laughs> went back through You're probably and right. actually checked. Um, but yeah, so I, I did I did gain on you another 12 beers, so I'm, I'm under 50. I'm at 49. Oh, now. you're right so. there. You know what? You could be either equal with me or past me by the time we meet up in a month. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned you have festivals and things coming up. They may not matter. I may get you. That's before true. you can uh, take advantage. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Well, good job, John. Keep up the good work. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not forecasting that I'm going to have – I'll have more than eight this next time, but probably, you know, I may not be able to keep up with the 20 or 30 or whatever we've been doing the last few weeks. I've, I've been uh, trying to watch the wall a little bit and trying to watch the waistline too, trying not to uh, overdo it. The summer, you know, you can get away from you. When you start, you know, summertime, you want to drink beers. And before you know it, you know, that six-pack is gone. And, and that six-pack is adding to the waistline. Not not a good sight. Not a good sight. For me, at least. Okay, well, you know what? We had a ton of listener feedback. And I'm so, I mean, it was it was so much. It was difficult for me to get it, make sure I got it all into our outline. But I want to, and if I miss something, I'm sorry. I really, I really tried to make sure we captured all the different feedback on all the social medias that we, you know, stuff that we follow. Uh, there's just, I mean, it's, it's coming out of everywhere. Everyone's been real good about commenting and talking about us about craft beer. I really appreciate. It. So we're gonna start it off with our buddy Robert at TPS Sponge, and he comments on Twitter. He says he's liking the new logo. He says he also is Team Tap the Craft hashtag Team Tap the Craft. He says I can't bring myself to choose sides in the untapped distinct challenge. So, sorry, John. He's, he can't go for you or me by ourselves. He's, he's for both of us. He's a team I, player. Yeah, I think he's just trying not to hurt your feelings. <laughs> I, I think he's, he's clearly team John. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All, all the cool people are. Yeah. Yeah, true. All right. So, uh, Thomas Joseph at King Holmes uh, listened to the show moments after it was released and said, keep up the good work. Love the show. So, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Now this is, this is funny because I get up pretty early and I'm, I'm in mountain time. John, you're on Pacific time. And I think Tom is on East coast time and the show gets, gets, uh, uploaded and available at 6am, uh, Greenwich mean time, which is a few hours. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know what, what it is. Uh, probably, 3 a.m. Eastern time, maybe I'm thinking. And uh, by the time I got up at at then downstairs, you know, downstairs, all showered, ready, and I looked at our our Twitter and stuff. I saw that he'd already posted like early on, like before it was even six o'clock our time. He'd already listened to the show and commented on it. And I was like, holy smokes! He literally got the show the right when it was released and commented about uh, you know how he enjoyed it. So I really appreciate that. Thank you, Tom. Uh, Man, for listening. dedication. Yeah, yeah. All right, our buddy Matt Helmer, devious Mr. Matt from the 40 cast, he says, yeah, I'm a little sad about Bruce getting traded, but looking forward to what the future may bring. Well, gee, Matt, don't you have anything to say about our beer, our podcast, about craft beer? You just talk about baseball? Come on, man. That's all right. We, us Reds fans need to stick together in the time <laughs> of uh, trouble here. He's, uh, he's got my back. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? He listens, and he did pull out that little tidbit and, and wanted to comment on it. So that was for you, John. All right. And our buddy Jason Lacey, J.W. Lacey, uh, commented on episode 53, uh, getting my craft beer on with Denny and John, workday listening to At Tap the Craft. Oh, man, new tunes, too, going all out in season three. Uh, and he also says, uh, always enjoy the beer talk with Denny and John. Then uh, he showed off some new Battle of the Beer. Yes. I, I'm a little behind on. 
Oh, okay. I'm yeah. too busy with work. I gotta, I gotta get it, get over there. So yeah. So he, they released a a battle of beer about two weeks ago, that was on session beers, and it was funny because one of the beers they had is is uh, English Mile, which is actually the session, you know, one of the, <laughs> it's a session beer. It's, that's what the style was was uh, uh, English Mile was a session beer. So it was kind of fun to watch. They, I think, neither of them were really knowing what to expect out of that session name but i still enjoy it and they mentioned this week that there's new things in the mix for the battle of beer a new set and some new formats i can't wait to see what they they give us uh, this week i think it'll be ready this week so i i can't wait be exciting yeah it's exciting all right then on facebook we had my buddy rick titus he dropped a link in on our facebook page to a uh, a video that's for the bottoms up draft system. Now I've never seen this, but I guess it's something that's going on over in the East Coast because our buddy Chris McKenzie he had just watched this thing in operation in in Tampa. I think it was in Tampa. And what it is is it's basically a a way to to pour your beer from the bottom of the glass into the glass and up. And it. Uh, is a very fast and quick way of doing it. Now, it has a little plunger thing on the bottom of the glass, which I would think would get really kind of, how do you keep that clean and sanitary, right? I don't know if that, and, and how do you keep it from leaking? I mean, eventually it's going to wear out. So I don't know how viable this system is, but it looks pretty cool. And there is a video on our page. Just look for the, the our wall and look for the post that Rick Titus put on there, and you can find the bottoms up for yourself. So did you see that, John? Uh, I saw it. I didn't get a chance to watch this video because um, I was at work when I saw it and real busy. But I, I had seen these uh, maybe a year and a half, two years ago mm-hmm. when they were first starting to push them. And I think they're mainly targeted towards like uh, sport, uh, sporting events and you know concerts and things like that where they need to push a lot of people through really fast. Yeah. Um, and I think at that time they were disposable glasses they were just you know special plastic cup that yeah. you could fill from the bottom that makes sense so those were intended for repeat use okay uh, but yeah i mean it's, it's interesting I, I don't know how much you'll see it outside of those high traffic areas but yeah and on facebook our buddy david at your 2000 he posted a couple articles uh one discussing the backlash of the Breckenridge owners facing from their community after selling out to AB InBev. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then an article pronouncing Stroh's coming back, Uh, but this time with better flavored Bohemian Pilsner craft beer. Yeah. Yeah. Stroh's. Now this, I think Stroh's before your time, right, John? Have you ever come across Stroh's in your, in your youth? No. Yeah. No, I have not. (laughs) I remember Stroh's. Stroh's was a, was a big beer back in the '70s time frame. So, uh, but it's coming back. They they are, are are producing a craft beer, a Bohemian Bohemian Pilsner, and then yeah, it's, it's exciting. Maybe a, a name brand that might uh, you know might get some traction with the older crowd, or they may yeah. not like it. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, may, hopefully it's better than the Rainier Mountain Pale Ale. Okay, so that, you, that you just put out there. <laughs> I I picked one up and it it wasn't that great. Wasn't that great? Okay. Yeah, hopefully this is better. This is better. All right, we have one more feedback from my buddy Bill at Vlashammer from OFR podcast. 
and he just wants to congratulate us on our third season. Yes, thank you, Bill. We're going into it with a bang, and we're going to come out with a bigger bang, I guess, right? Going in with a bang and out with a boom? Sounds good. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but this episode marks my third season. Because <laughs> <laughs> I missed the first two episodes. Very, so. You know what? That's a good time <laughs> to mention it then. So, Bill, he congratulates you too, John, for making yeah. three seasons. And we have a couple of listener questions. Uh, first up, our buddy Robert at TPS Sponge. Uh, if a well-known beer changes its ingredients and the taste changes, can they still call it by the same name? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> they can do yeah. whatever they want. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I, there's a number of beers that I've had that have changed over time, either because they just decide they want to change the recipe or the ingredients that they were using for whatever reason they weren't able to get anymore and they had to change it a little bit. But if a name has a brand recognition, they're going to keep using it. And sure enough, some people will complain about the flavor not being the same and they may steer away from it after that, but you never know. Is there any examples, John, that of a beer that has changed the ingredients that you used to like, but then after they changed it, you didn't like and you, you stayed away from it? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, but I know a lot of breweries design their IPAs with multiple hops so yeah. that they can change them based on what crop is available, mm-hmm. what they can get their hands on, what things are tasting like in a particular year. Mm-hmm. And then they can, you know, fiddle with the percentages or drop a hop or add, you know. Yeah. Um, I know that's really common, uh, you know, because beer is kind of an agricultural product. I mean, the malt is going to be a little different every year. Hops are going to be different every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's a lot of variables in, at play. But, um, yeah, I don't yeah. know. How about you? you, you there's been – I, I, yeah, I've already mentioned that Red Hook, for example, Red, Red Hook uh, ESB. That beer now is not the same beer that it was in, in, the, in the early 90s. It has changed over time. Has it changed for the worse? No, but it's changed from what I really appreciated about – having that bitter, that ESB. It was an extra special bitter at the time. Uh, but it, it's still a good ale now, but it's more of an amber, a lighter amber, and not the, the bitterness is gone. But that's okay. That, that's one that I can name like that. There's another beer, like what you mentioned, that, that changes every year. And I actually really enjoy the beer some years and not so much the other years, depending on what, what kind of beer it is. And that's that Stumptown Tart by Bridgeport Brewing. Uh, that's a beer that I love the tartness and and for a lot for a long time they made it kind of similarly but now they're changing it up now it was a saison I think this year and sometimes they'll change it with the different berries they'll add different berries might be more raspberry or it might be marionberry or you know they'll do different different types of berries but Stumptown Tart is one of those beers that that uh, I never know what to expect from year to year it's a little bit different every time yeah, and that, that reminds me, the, the Anchor Christmas beers and oh, yeah. recipe every year. Yeah, good one, yeah. Completely different. Exactly. Song. And um, another one that's different that I absolutely love, and I, there hasn't been one that I haven't loved, is the Black Butte Anniversary Porter. Uh, every year they change it up a little bit. They put a little bit, you know, they add figs and dates and, you know, they'll put different things in there and they may have more or less of one ingredient and it changes the taste a little bit. For the most part, it tastes similar, but there is a little bit of extra, you know, different things you can pick out of that beer each year. But, hell, I, I don't mind. I, I love the beer. I get it 
multiple bottles every year because it's one of my favorite beers to get. So there are some varieties like that, but it all goes down to whether or not the the changes that were made are acceptable to your palate. If you, you know, you may have a beer that you really enjoyed and they change it and now it's just so-so, well, guess what? You're probably not going to, you know, drink as much of it as you did because it's not tasting the way that you enjoyed it. It was super great and now your expectations are, okay, it's just so-so and, and you'll move on to something else. Uh, it, it's sad. Uh, you know what? There's one more You just, ah, oh, there was one more beer. Oh, you know what it is? Monk's Blood. Another here's another beer. Now I don't know if now Monk's Blood is a Belgian uh, quad. Uh, no dark ale, the strong yeah, dark ale. Belgian dark, dark strong. Dark strong ale, and this is from Twenty First Amendment. And the first year I had it, it was magical. I fell in love with it, and all, I, I gave it to all my friends, and they fell in love with it. They said, "Wow, this is great." Guess what? The next two years they released it, it wasn't the same beer. There was something missing. It wasn't didn't have the same flavors that it had that first year. I don't know if they changed the recipe or not, but it was definitely a the beer was not the same as it was that first year I tasted it. So I every year it comes out, I try it because I want to see if it goes back to that original. And this year it was the closest to the original that I had five years ago, five or six years ago, was this year. So it's taken four or five years for them to get the recipe back to where it was that I really enjoy it the most. Now, was the other ones bad? No, they weren't bad. They just didn't live up to my expectations. So I go into it with a high expectation, and I was let down because it just wasn't the same beer that I was expecting. So that's another example of one that uh, I've experienced. All right, Robert, that was a great question. And anyone out there that has similar things, if you have an example of a beer that's changed ingredients and that you you know either like it better like sometimes we'll change it it might be better than what it was or or it got worse let us know give us some more examples we'd love to hear it and talk about it on the show all right i already mentioned tom burn from the boise area he's uh, at tom burn 11 on twitter he says hey guys i know you aren't well hunters but i'm curious if you have any bucket list breweries to visit or certain beers to try so we kind of John, we've kind of already mentioned this when we did do our well beers uh, show, but you want to go ahead and give uh, some official well breweries that you'd like to visit one day? Off the top uh, of your head? Yeah, yeah, I can give. I'll, I'll give three. Um, and we, I, I'm gonna guess we're gonna have some overlap here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, one place I'd, I'd love to visit in person is uh, Russian River. Uh, oh, go yeah. to their their pub. Um, I've never, never been, uh, so, it, and it's a place I love all, um, all the beer I've had, I think. Uh, so it'd be a place that I'd really want to go. Um, Jester King would mm-hmm. be another one. Yep. Uh, that I'd really want to try out and, uh, I'd say, uh, to go to the, the brew pub at three Floyds. I'd like to do that as well. Okay. Um, okay. Did, now, you. now didn't you mention tr- Trillium? What was the one that, uh, no, uh, uh, Toppling Goliath Topping, I mentioned on the previous. Yeah. yeah Toppling uh, Goliath. Show, that's, yeah. Is that still one of your top five or 10 that you want? Oh yeah. It? Yeah. It's okay. definitely up there. I okay. mean, I, we, we could sit and talk for at least an hour <laughs> just oh. naming places I want to go, Yeah, you know? So, <laughs> okay. So you did mention one on my list and that's Jester King. Jester King is probably the top one on my list that I, that I have to go to eventually. 
And if I ever get back to the Austin area for work, I will be making a trip to, to go see them. Every beer that they produce is something that I think I would enjoy because I love that, that, you know, the wildness, the wild creations that they do there. So that's that's one. The other one is Wicked Weed. Wicked Weed is is over in the uh, South Carolina area. Uh, What's the? I think uh, they were Asheville. Asheville, South Carolina, right? Or, or is that North Carolina? No, that's North Carolina. North Carolina. Okay, so Asheville. I can't keep track. In fact, if I had a place, Wicked Weed is in that place. The reason that I I'd go there is because not only would I get to try all their fantastic creations that they do, but you know what? There's like 20-some breweries all in that little small town that I could visit also. What a great place to go to go try out a bunch of different craft beers. And there's a lot of good breweries right in that small area. So that that's a yeah, double win. I was going to say, we could probably put together a nice top five just from yeah. Asheville, yeah. the greater Asheville area. Yep. And then my third will be Allagash Brewing up in Maine. I have to go up there and try their beers. I hear... Uh, we had a, a friend of mine, a neighbor, did a, a beer crawl, pub crawl up there in, the, in the, the main area, and he said that Allagash was by far uh, his favorite brewery. Of all the breweries that he's visited, that was his favorite. And uh, I have to go visit it too. I want to go try their beers. I've had a, some samples in uh, collaboration beers and stuff, but I haven't had any full-blown beers, so I'd want to go there try out their, their beers. Nice, yeah. And I I just want an excuse to go to Maine. So Yeah, yeah, Maine'd be great. Maine'd be great. And I and just to mention, I've already visited some I've already gone and visited some of the of my breweries that I really want to visit. Of course I I visited Laguanitas and Russian River and Heretic. Uh, here you know, I love Heretic brewing and most people never heard of them because they don't distribute very far and you have to you know, you go there to Fair, fair. Oh shoot, I forgot the little town. Little town. Uh, Fairfield. Fairfield, Fairfield, California, between Sacramento and uh, San Francisco, and they have a little pub there in, in a area. And I went there and got to try all the one-off stuff that you can't get in bottles, and I really enjoyed it. And that was a great experience. Russian River, like John, it's fantastic. Twenty some beers on tap. Every one of them is fantastic. Uh, really nice. Uh, super friendly service, good service, good beers, everything's great. And then, uh, what else have I visited? Those are probably the the two of my well ones that I wanted to visit one day. I've already made those trips and, and done that myself. And of yeah, course, you visiting could put Heretic on my list. That'd yeah, be, yeah, Heretic is great. And of course, I get to I go to Seattle to visit you, John. And you know, Ruben's Brew was on my list. I went there last year, or actually this year. I went there and when we, we visited this year already and I fell in love with that brewery as soon as I walked in. So I hope to visit Ruben's brew more often because they're definitely a fantastic brewery. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you guys for your questions. That's fantastic. Good questions. We've got John and I to talk about some of our breweries that we would love to visit along with some beers that have changed ingredients for the better or for the worse, whether you know, however you want to take it. Uh, and if 
you want to go ahead and be like Robert and Tom and be part of the show by asking us questions or providing feedback to us like the other guys did earlier on the feedback thing, you can do that. You can reach us through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com or you can hit us up on Twitter at tapthecraft. And of course, feel free to leave us feedback on Facebook at facebook.com slash tapthecraft. You can either comment on the show post or you can... Uh, you know, write on our wall, leave an article to read, you know, make, you know, do whatever you want. We're here to, to take in all your great information. I also just want to take the time to thank Open Forum Radio Network for supporting the show. They provide our hosting space at openforumradio.com. And if you enjoy the content that John and I put out, then we know that you will find other great content from the other shows offered like the following. Hey, you. Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny and John. Now, I know you're a crafty consumer, and if you would like to consume other great podcasts, check out OpenFormRadio.com. We house such podcasts as Opaform Radio Proper, The 40 Cast, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, Just Press Start, The Married Gamers, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Lost Treasures of Gaming, Primetime, My Peanut Gallery, and many, many more. And please... Remember to leave these fine fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this show. Again, thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft. All right. Well, we don't really have a brew buzz segment today, but we do have a little check it out segment that I want to provide you guys and a couple news articles that we like to talk about. And uh, first off, this check it out segment is actually uh, a little shout out to another craft beer podcast. Actually, they have a YouTube page and they have a podcast. And it's the Brew Review Crew. And uh, their, their podcast is the Brew Review Crew on Tap. And they just put out a show where they interviewed the CEO and co-founder of the Physics at Home Draft System. And John and I, we've talked about this when they were first doing a Kickstarter uh, on this product a couple years, well, at the beginning of maybe a year and a half ago or so. You think, John, maybe a year and a half, a year ago? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And we both had doubts because at that time, there really wasn't much information on it. Unless you're going to actually get a sample and talk to the people in person, they weren't really providing too much information. I think because they were were trying to get patents, you know, through and they didn't want to give up too much information. But guess what? The patents must have come through because now they're talking all about the science that is being done with this machine. And I was so intrigued by the talk that the CEO and co-founder was talking about the science behind this. Now I understand what it's doing and what it's not doing. Um, guess what, John? What? I, I went and ordered a physics wow. for myself. Do you think I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear. Do you think I'm crazy? <laughs> no. You're, you're a grown man. <laughs> you can I, I, do whatever you want with I, your monies. <laughs> I, I, will say, I will say that it was an impulse buy. Uh, I haven't told my wife yet. Hopefully she won't uh, divorce me after it. And it wasn't that expensive. Uh, it, you know, when it came out, it was 200 or over $200, I think, for the, for the Kickstarter. And now on Amazon, it's 165 So it's a little bit cheaper. But um, I think... What we're going to do is on my next episode, I will give you guys all my own personal take on what this machine does for beer and whether or not I feel that it's worth the extra money to uh, provide you with an experience. 
that uh, this machine can do. I'm hoping that's going to be a positive experience. Uh, I got excited from hearing the, you know, the marketing seems to be good now because they got me excited. It actually made me do an impulse buy, and uh, it will be an unbiased. The only biasness that it's going to be is that it came out of my own pocket. So if I don't like it, you're going to hear about it. So that's <laughs> that's you're going to get the truth from me. You're not going to get nobody provided this to me. Uh, it's going to be the straight out of the the horse's mouth. So look forward to our next episode where I do a little bit of in-depth testing of my own to see whether or not it really enhances the quality of the beer that you're drinking. But yeah, I look forward to that. Yeah. So, but curious. to get you guys all uh, you know into it, you can always go visit the the guys over at Brew Review Crew, listen to their podcast, and they talk about this physics, and let them know that we sent you there, like our buddy Chris McKinty did. He uh, he had a question, uh, or he actually left a review on iTunes for him, and they read it on their show and then contacted him, and he said that, yeah, I, I heard about you guys from the guys that tapped the craft. And so, hey, let, us, let them know that if you do go there, that you listen, you got there from us. Okay, now it's time for some news articles. Now, John, the first article, you shot this my way. So why don't you take the reins and tell us about what's going on in the Seattle area? All right, so there's a bit of history for this one. And, uh, you know, it goes to all the craft beer acquisitions that we've been having. And uh, here in Seattle, which most people probably had, didn't hear about because there's two of the, uh, you know, solely local uh, breweries. We had an internal acquisition within craft beer. Odin Brewing acquired Hilliard's Beer. Uh, and, um, you know, they took over the brewery, the equipment, all the brand, the beers, you know, everything. Uh, but they said they didn't want to use the brewery up in Ballard that they had acquired. They were going to brew the beers in their own facility and they were looking for somebody to take over that space. And, uh, lo and behold, Lagunitas is going to take over that space. So Lagunitas is coming to Seattle. Um, they're uh, going to be doing some unique Seattle uh, pub beers. Uh, you're going to be working on the space, increase the occupancy there. Uh, mentioned expanding their barrel program. Uh, so, I don't know. I'm excited. We'll see what, what happens there. I think they said they're trying to get up and running by Christmas. Yeah. But uh, the way beer stuff goes uh, with licensing and all that stuff, it may be a little delayed. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's a great opportunity for you guys to get some special Lagunitas beers, some one-off stuff that, and some barrel aging stuff. I mean, stuff that you're not going to get. I mean, may, maybe they get a little bit in the in the Petaluma area. I, I didn't see that much of one-off stuff when I went there. They pretty much had their standard stuff, right? They had everything that they you get in bottles and and now cans. They had it available, and they may have had one one beer that that might be done a little bit different in a cask or in a Randall or something, but everything else was pretty much straightforward, the same stuff they always were brewing. So this is a good opportunity that maybe they'll be brewing special things that no one else in the country is going to get, and that is that is kind of exciting. Yeah, yeah, and kind of to that point, um, Tony McGee, the founder of Logging to See, he commented a big brewery is something like an aircraft carrier, <laughs> slow and somewhat difficult to maneuver with each little thing requiring lots of planning. Uh, but the new operation in Seattle will be more like a sports car. So, oh. be able to, you know, play around, do all kinds of stuff whenever they just feel like it. So, awesome. 
Awesome. Well, yeah. you're you're a lucky man. I wish they would have picked up a a brewery here in the Boise area. Honestly, <laughs> they still <laughs> could have to come visit more often. Yeah, they still could. They still could. You know, expand out and do some more of that type of of small brewery. Uh, you know, acquisition. You know, because there's all the time. There's breweries that are now that we've got to all the you know f- over four thousand craft breweries. There, you know, some are gonna are not gonna make it, and when they don't make it, they need to somehow get rid of that equipment that they they purchased, try to get some of that debt off their back. So they'll be more than willing to maybe sell out some of these bigger craft breweries and allow them to have little brew pubs that they can do the same thing that Lagunitas is doing. It sounds like a great idea. I'd love to have you know, founders come over and, and, and take over something in the Boise area and, and, and produce some of their beers here. You know, I, anything to get more beer, more quality beer into my area, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. And that, the, uh, Ballard's area is just floating. Um, it, there's already a, a ton of breweries there. Um, but, uh, just trying to look it up to make it official, but in my head, uh, this location is only, uh, you know, like four or five blocks away from Rubens Brews, just so you know, Denny. Oh, really? So, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that was the Ballard area. I thought that was the Fremont area. Is, is Rubens Brew not in in Fremont? Uh, no, it's in Ballard. Ru- uh, Ballard and Fremont are right next to each other. Okay. Um, so there's, it, there's a little bit of a gray area <laughs> up there. But, um, yeah, Rubens is in Ballard along with like eight other breweries. Okay. So... Uh, yeah, that's a that's a hot spot. There's no parking, but it's a hot spot. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, that's a great story, and uh, looking forward to hearing more about it in the future. We'll make sure you come back and talk to us once it's up and running. Will do. All right. We have another article. This was off of craftbeer.com, and it's uh, it kind of is all about the big hype or the big discussions going on about how. Big beer is is you know taking over these smaller breweries and it's it's giving an illusion uh, to the consumer that they're getting craft beer when in reality all the taps aren't craft they're actually from one company one big conglomerate. So this article is titled "Unveiling the Illusion of Choice Facing America's Craft Beer Lovers," and uh, this is a pretty long article. I just took some snippets out of here. We're going to read some of this. Uh, just so you guys get the idea of wh- where they're coming from and why this is actually can be, uh, you know, a bit of a, a problem going on. This is something that John and I haven't really discussed too much detail as far as the negative aspect of why big beer. We we hit on a little bit, but not not to the extent of what's going on now. I I think. And so let's just start off on here. It says right now everywhere. This is the uh, this is a, a quote taken from the, the person writing the article. It says right now. Everywhere I look, the largest of large brewers are nipping at the heels of the hard-earned success of the small and susceptible craft brewer and swaying some retailers to go exclusive and shed or slim their craft brands. There's a machine in motion working to sway lovers into believing or sway beer lovers into believing newly purchased and former independent craft brewers are still small. And it says, "Hey, you need proof?" Take a look at the two photos, and in this article there's two photos, uh, of the tap choices at a bar inside the Nationals Park in Washington, D.C. This is where the national football team plays. It says the baseball. photo, oh, I mean baseball, yeah, thank you. Yeah, baseball. I knew it was baseball. I was 
just said the wrong thing, but hey, thanks for having my You're back. You're just testing me. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> so the photos were taken just one year apart, 2015 and 2016. And in that single year, the draught choices for beer lovers went from beers by 11 owners to beers all from a single owner. So literally, the amount of beers they had, there was 11 different craft brewery owners that had a, a tap that was available. And now... All of them are from the same company, even though it looks like you're getting craft beer, you're getting choice. You're not. You're. They're saying you're not getting choice because you're only purchasing from the one big beer company. Uh, yeah, and they continue. Uh, the photos are a clear indication of the battlefields for big beer versus small and independent breweries, and it's not just stadiums. The fight for shelf space is being fought at your grocery store, your liquor store, the menu at your favorite restaurants. At concert venues and airports, wherever exclusive rights can exist, they exist. Slamming the door to the big beer, uh, to the beer brands that had finally started to gain ground and see placements outside the portfolios of large brewers and large importers. So those photos from Nats Park are a glaring example of the changing times, and we as beer lovers have a voice on this change. So small and independent brewers make up 99% of today's breweries while they are only responsible for 12% of market by volume, ensuring their success is essential to innovation and diversity in beer as a whole. It is completely reasonable for beer lovers to want to see their local brewery included in the menu lineup at retailers, but unfortunately, it is not guaranteed. So I understand where they're coming from, and I and I totally support that this is a, a problem, but I think it's... A, in the, I think it's a, I don't know, it's always been a problem. I mean, only recently, maybe some of our local craft breweries have broken into some of the mainstream restaurants, but all of our smaller local restaurants that aren't changed, that aren't, you know, that, that are all supporting local, they have always from the beginning had, you know, uh, always supported local craft beer. And it was only the big box brands in, in, that I've seen, like you know the Applebee's, the Chili's, the Olive Gardens, the the Roadhouse Grills, you know the stuff like that. Those are the ones that were always in the pocket of the big beer because they were given the best deal. It's a corporate company, of course they're going to do what saves them money and make you know they're going to offer the illusion of having a craft beer, even though it's not really craft beer because it's coming from Anheuser Busch. So you know they're they're still getting all their just you know their their kickbacks or whatever but in reality the consumer has a choice of where they go and eat if you go to a place you don't see they have a good beer selection and that's important to you then go somewhere else i you know i mean I, there is an issue but it's not going to take over everything because you know restaurants still have a choice whether what they're going to serve and still in, in the boise area majority of our locally owned restaurants they still will provide local craft beers and and it's hard to find a restaurant that doesn't have at least one if not two local breweries that are that are local to the area how about you john are you seeing in seattle area is it is it harder for you to see uh you know like like it like i know it's a bad example but at the stadium at the park at the uh uh what's that baseball stadium called there now at uh, safeco yeah, field safeco field yeah safeco field yeah. before Legion got bought by ab and bev they were they, they had a spot into the stadium. Is there other breweries? Now they're part of AB InBev as part of that line. So now AB InBev has, you know, their foothold in there. But is there other local breweries, craft breweries that aren't part of that uh, conglomerate that still serve in, in your stadium? 
Oh yeah, they're all over the place. Um, yeah, that, Safeco Field has some, one of the best uh, beer selections in the country. A um, bunch of local places. Um, I was just there uh, Wednesday and had a Stone IPA. Okay. Um, when I was there, so yeah, they they have a really good uh, Seattle in general um, is real good about supporting. Um, if not like the local craft beer, it, it will be actual craft beer, be it Stone or or somebody. Um, but they're pretty good about uh, supporting craft uh, here. Um, but you know the the shelf space at you know grocery stores and, and such that was one of the the points cited by Dick Cantwell when they they sold. As mm-hmm. you know, the fight is getting harder and harder, and it's only going to get worse because there's not more shelf space. There's just a lot more breweries. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to continue to be a problem in that arena uh, moving forward. Um, and I think you'll see a lot of new breweries maybe focus more on the tap room and not so much distribution Yeah, um, going forward. Um, but, you know, I yeah, I mean, it, it's always going to be a challenge. Yeah, so. no, I, I agree. I think the shelf space is a big thing. Like today, I was in there getting some beers for our football draft, and I, I was, you know, I was trying to find, you know, something that I hadn't had for a while, and so I, I end up getting some, you know, some craft beers. I got the the Good Life from Bend, Oregon. That's a, a great brewery there that doesn't get enough uh, attention, I think. They have a, a sweet as uh, wheat pale ale. Which is a which I haven't even logged on untapped yet. Uh, there's a reason, you know, reason why I'm not. Uh, I'm not catching up to you, John. I keep forgetting to, to log some beers on there. That's probably the problem. But uh, that is a fantastic pale wheat ale. Great body, wheat body to the beer. Nice, not too overly done hops in there. Very pleasant, very easy drinking, summery type of a beer. Man, you can drink a six-pack of that pretty damn easily. Uh, so I picked up a pack of that. But the section where the, the true craft beer, I, I really took notice this time. And you know what? Uh, the ABM Bev products are inching into the craft beer cooler now, where they weren't before, right? We had the, the, the big beer cooler that had all the big beers. And then we had the craft beer cooler, which had pretty much just the craft beers. And it was Lagunitas and, and uh, you know, Full Cell and, you know, all the 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 real craft beers. Now... I'm seeing that that stuff is being taken up by more and more of this illusion of craft beer. I, the the, the regular consumer is not going to know that these you know tin barrel now has two feet of space in the cooler. That that's no longer craft beer. That's owned by AB InBev. So AB InBev just snuck in that two feet that they didn't have before. You know, same thing with Elysian. Elysian has a one foot section. They just took over that section. So now they have three feet into our into our craft beer section. It, is it still craft beer? Not by definition of the craft beer association, but in as far as good beer, yeah, that's still good beer. But now when we go and buy that beer, yeah, we are supporting the big guys and the little guys are are not getting, you know, they're losing that self, shelf space. And when we don't buy it. Over the other stuff, it's going to keep losing it, and that's kind of sad. I I look at the Boise area craft beers, and we literally have two feet. That's all we have for for all of our. Well, yeah, pretty much two feet. 
that's that's all we have. We have two feet of of uh, from bottom to top cooler space for cans mostly. Uh, they, they don't even do bottles anymore. It's pretty much all cans they put in that two feet area because they can fit more cans than I stacked up than they can bottles. And that's sad. That that area for the Boise area should be like four feet at least, four to six feet. Uh, you know, we have a lot of breweries, and they don't they just can't get into the supermarket anymore. Yeah, it, it's tough. Um, but you know, at the same time, uh, sure, maybe in our area, it's it starts to become you know that the the big breweries are taking over the craft beer space. But in in other parts of the country, they're being able to penetrate with you know, better beer than maybe they have access to. So, you know, there's pluses and minuses yeah. to it. Yeah, that's um, true. You know, areas that don't have a good craft beer scene, uh, you know, maybe now they can get some Elysian or 10 barrel and, you know, it's better than what they had access to. Yeah, that's true. So. That's true. All right. Well, you know what? The artic- the author provides us with the top eight reasons to demand beer diversity. So is it, she she went ahead and told us eight reasons why it's important to have this beer diversity. So number one, she says there's more styles than ever in modern history. So the Brewers Association now documents 155 beer styles. It wasn't like that before the craft beer movement. So that's a good, important point. Uh, craft beer innovation. That's what we've mentioned before. You innovate. You want to be something that's different than the regular stuff uh, are they going to lose that when big beer takes over you don't know you hope that's a fear that that they're going that, that they may lose it but we hope we don't lose that diversity oh yeah there's also it wasn't like that before because there wasn't any to market uh gold medals for 155 different beer styles <laughs> from the gabf uh but you know that's a different point true um yeah, so the the next reason, uh, number two, you live close to a tap room. Uh, today, 78.5% of adults of legal drinking age live within 10 miles of a brewery. Wow. Um, yeah, so just go get it straight from the source. That's, that's right. I yeah, no, I agree. I think that's the best thing, and that's what we end up doing most of the time is just going to the source. All right, number three, beer tourism is booming. The Brewers Association estimates that more than 10 million people toured local breweries in 2014. Well, how many in 2015? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's when they did the study. Okay. <laughs> that's still a lot. Yeah. Yeah, 10 million. That's a lot of people. And with even more breweries now, you have to assume that number's gone up. Um, I'd hope. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so number four, beer education draws thousands of students. So more than 70,000 people have tested into the Cicerone program. Uh, beyond that, think about the number of people graduating from brewing schools, chefs' involvement in craft beer, and the online educational resources on the beverage. This all bubbled up from and when craft brewers began to, create, to gain traction. Mm, okay. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a, a point, but yeah. okay. Yeah. All right, number five. Beer and food pairing is on the rise. Nearly half of craft beer drinkers said they drink craft beer with food more now than a couple years ago. That's according to the 2015 Nielsen survey. 71% of craft beer purchasers gave compliments to, or, or gave the reason that, uh, for it compliments my meal as very or somewhat important selection criteria in their beer choice when dining out. Wow. 
Uh, think how much the beer menus have expanded at restaurants. This is all due much in part of the full-flavored beer movement and the craft beer helping to reclaim its place at the table. I can, you know, I, 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 I consider myself to be a pretty savvy craft beer drinker. But honestly, John, um, when I go out and I decide on what beer I'm going to drink, it's probably 10%, maybe 15% of my select, my choice is based on what I'm eating at the place. You know, I, I go with whatever I'm in a mood for, not necessarily if it's going to complement my meal. Now, if it complements it, that's a bonus, but I don't put that as a, like the top reason that I want to, to get a beer is that I'm eating some special fish dish and this, this beer goes with fish better than this other beer. How about you? Uh, I, I do put some thought into it, but I, you know, I understand this as one of her eight reasons because if you keep beer diversity uh, increasing, then you'll have more options for for your food pairings. Um, but you know, I, I I will consider it, and I especially when at home when we're getting ready for dinner, I'll go down to the fridge to see what my options are. Um, and you know, it'll be a factor. So, okay. Um, okay. So does that, does that mean that you brew beer to meet that need too? Do you have a beer that you brew that goes with most foods you eat that you normally cook? Uh, no, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't plan that for, for brewing, but you know, I'm, I'll probably hit at least once with a beer, uh, considering I'll have five gallons of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a good chance that it'll come into play at least once. Well, is is there um, one is there one style of beer that pretty much goes with everything? That that I mean, there's got to be one style that's like a universal. I mean, Pilsner is that the universal? Yeah, I would say if you want to go like a Pilsner or Kolsch, yeah, probably uh, yeah, Kolsch would be a good one. Most things. Yeah, okay, all right. So so a lager. A light lager is is probably going to be your, <laughs> <laughs> which that's why Budweiser and everything is the is the the key. Everything it goes well with all all meals, right? I'd say a, a a good brown ale would be another good one. I, I agree with that. Yeah, brown ales I think is a good good one. Okay, good job. All right, so number six, beers economic and employment contributions. Uh, craft brewers contributed fifty five point seven billion million dollars to the U.S. economy in 2014 and fueled more than 424,000 jobs. The country needs every dollar and every position of employment it can get. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and I think, you know, this plays a, a lot more into the wanting to know where your dollar is going, um, you know, which which we've talked about with a lot of these acquisitions that, um, you know, you and I tend to be more focused on whether the beer is good or not, mm-hmm. and if they produce a good beer, will support good beer. Um, but uh, you know, it's still it, it it's really impressive for uh, craft beer to be putting up those kind of numbers. Yeah, so. yeah, it's because there's so many of them, and they each have to have so many, you know, people or things that are going on. Yeah, it makes sense that that it would produce a lot of money. That's good. All right, number seven. The brewers financially support communities. Now, this uh, this is, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm guessing the Anheuser Bush and the Big Beer also supports community, but I, I definitely see that in craft beer, especially, they're way more community oriented. I mean, everything they do is revolve around community. At least once a month, every different com- brewery is throwing on some kind of event to be more involved in the community and help out. And I I do appreciate that. I do see that's a big. Uh, a big plus, but it said that uh, in 2014, craft brewers donated an estimated of 71 million 
to charitable causes, averaging $3.25 per barrel they produce. One published report had ABM Bev's charitable foundation donating an average of $0.35 cents per barrel. Wow, that's huge. That's huge. That's, I mean, literally, that's, that's almost 10 times the uh, amount. Is that right? Am I 10? Yeah, 10 times. Did I do my math right? <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, that says a lot. I, I and I agree with that. That the more craft breweries, they're they're more involved in the community, and, and for sure, the more charitable stuff they do. And and ABM Bev needs to step up their game. That thirty five cents a barrel is nothing. Look at look, you know what? Let me just say this. Look at Oscar Blues. That they just had a, a big thing in uh, this week about how they were kegging water to send down to Louisiana to help provide water for people, right? I mean, I'm sure Anheuser Bush might do that too. I, maybe not. they do. But, yeah, they do. but but again, Anheuser Bush has the money, has the resources, has the stuff to do it. I was thinking to myself, holy smokes, Oscar Blues is sending all these kegs that they normally would have beer in out to water that they may or may not get back i'm hoping they get them back maybe it's going to be controlled where they take them there and, and they're the ones doing the serving and they're going to get the kegs back and it's going to be a, a good thing but if they're you know but what if they're not what if they're just sending them off and they're they're hoping that they're going to get their stuff back that's a huge uh thing that they're doing that they may not you know they may you know end up losing a lot on it but they're doing it out of the kindness of the heart to support mankind and 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 the tragedy has gone on down there so I mean, again, it just shows that that uh, you know they they have craft breweries have a bigger you know they have a bigger heart and want to do more for for people than the the big companies do, the corporate companies. All right, so number eight, uh, diversity of beer distribution. Uh, look at how beer distribu- distributors now advance beer diversity and beer education in a way they never had before. This is a direct result of carrying brands from small and independent craft brewers. Uh, this seems to fly in the face of her argument from Nationals Park <laughs> that beer distributors are uh, are doing good. Yeah, um, I think because I mean a distributor is the one that got all that beer into that one bar. Yeah. So yeah, I think she, I think she's, uh, I think she means the PR groups. I mean, I think it's the breweries PR. Uh, distributors aren't necessarily going and doing tastings. It's the company's PR that is doing the, the tastings. And that, I do say, is one thing that you do get with with craft beer, is that that brewery has, when they're penetrating a market, they want to make sure that that market is is going to be, they're, they're gonna, their brand is going to be recognized. So they throw on these tasting events, and most of the time it's free. Like at Brewer's Haven, I don't ever pay for a tasting event. I go in there, and the the PR guys are there and they're from the brewery. Usually a lot of times the owners will be there. Like when Crux came, it was the, the owners came and they threw on and they were the ones talking about the, the beer and what, you know, all about it. And they were, I mean, it was a big deal. And that's, that is true. You do get a lot of education. You get to learn about how they're, what, the, how they're brewing their beer, what they're doing differently, what, uh, you know, why they chose this style over another and, you know, what, what they're, goals are and stuff and there is a more education uh, i don't necessarily think the distributors are doing that they're, they're you yeah know. i think if that's what it is then you're you're putting the credit here in the wrong place yeah so. no i agree i think she's I, I honestly don't think distributors do anything but 
strong arm, you know, <laughs> people, right? They're waiting for the payback. I think I think there was a there's a need for distributors, but there's also I don't know. There's I see a lot of corruption in the whole distribution network. I understand why they had the three tiered system, but I think there's there's definitely. I mean, I, you read about the kickbacks and the pay, you know, the, all the corruption going on with these distributors over in the East Coast. A lot of especially over there, and I just don't. I don't know. I think that uh, I think breweries that have the license to do their own distributors ship have a better chance of uh, promoting their beer than if they had to rely on a on a big company and some states only allow you know certain companies to distribute beer Idaho just happens to be one that allows you to get a, a license so that independent breweries can distribute within Idaho as long as you don't have a brewery or pub in Idaho that's the only disadvantage is you can't you can't have a you can't make the beer distribute it and sell it at the same time. You have to, you can't do all three. So that's where it gets kind of uh, funny. You have to have a third party do your distribution. So, but yeah, maybe that's what they mean. Maybe they meant small distributors, you know, companies or breweries that distribute their own beers. Maybe that's what she means. All right. Well, gee, John, that pretty much sums up the show for this for this episode. Is there anything else you wanted to chat about before we bring this show to a close? I don't think so. All right. Well, let's roll in to our toast for this week. And John, let me know who you want to raise your glass to. All right. So I mentioned our, our friends, uh, Pete and Amanda, uh, who we, we attended last year's pumpkin beer fest with, mm-hmm. and we'll do it again this year. Uh, well, they just got engaged. Oh, so, uh, cheers to you too. Yeah. I raised my glass to that. All right. When's the big day? Uh, I think next September they're they're looking at. Okay. All right. Well, good. Good. So that's another wedding for you to go. You went to a lot of weddings this year. So now you have one more. Hopefully it'll be local and not back east or anywhere. Nah, probably not with my luck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Excellent. All right. Well, I also want to raise my glass. And I want to raise my glass to a local listener and, and a local patron of uh, the different breweries that I visit and, of course, Brewer's Haven. That's my buddy Derek. Uh, he also listens to the show. He goes by the Inspector W on uh, Twitter. And uh, we got to sit down last Friday, not this Friday, the Friday before last, and we uh, enjoyed some beers together and chatted about life and beer and everything. We just had a, a great little chat. I really appreciate it. And, I, again... I want to raise the the opportunity to anyone out there that's in the Boise area that you know wants to have a drink with me. Let me know. Hit me up on social media. We'll we'll get together and, and uh, we'll have a beer and we'll just chat. I'd like to do that. So cheers to you, Derek. Thank you for for listening and for for uh, drinking with me. And uh, also, I got to raise my glass to some fellow podcasters out there, the Gamers in Beta. They had me on. I think it was last Sunday to record with them about uh, some gaming and life and and stuff in general we had a great time we talked about beer we talked about beards we talked about games we talked about all kinds of stuff it was a fun time and i want to raise my glass to those guys for being fantastic hosts make me feel welcome and just having a, a fun time and of course i can't leave out all those military men and women out there you know i was a former uh submarine 
sailor, and uh, I, I just want to give my toast out to all those those silent service sailors out there that they're uh, doing doing their job that nobody knows about. So I'll raise my glass to you. Cheers. Come back safely to your family. And as a reminder, next episode will be a listener participation tasting notes segment, and we decided to go a little bit different from our last few tastings. We're going to go with a little dark beer. We're going to go with the Schutz Brewing Obsidian Stout. This is a this style. John is an American style, right? We going with the American stout style. Uh, they might be more uh, of a like sweet stout or something. Oh, sweet, more okay. English. Uh, okay. They, they tend to get a, a bit more British focus on on their style. That's true. That's true. They do have more British. You know what? Well, guess what? Let's just do a style guideline segment next show uh, on whatever style of stout this is, so we can get two in one. We'll do a short one. We won't go too long because I want to talk about the uh, about the uh, physics machine too. So we'll, we'll keep it we'll keep it short. But yeah, go ahead and grab a, a six pack of the Shoots Obsidian Stout. Taste along with us. We'd love to hear your comments about it as John and I taste along with you. And of course, you can find the beers and the links to the articles that we mentioned on the show in the show notes, which are located on the show post at openforumradio.com. And if you would like to follow us on social media, I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Loose Screw. And John, how can our listeners follow you? Twitter at Prime Brewing, Untapped, Prime WA, and you can read about the barrel, which has been emptied for the first time over at homebrewengineer.com. Oh, wow. I haven't uh, read the latest article then, if you just put one up. I read the ones about all the hassle you had with getting it, the barrel not to leak. Yeah, that, that was, was fun. that was quite a challenge. And what's funny is that um, you know I listened to a few podcasts, and uh, believe it or not, the four brewers talked exactly about what problems you were having on one of their shows. And uh, when you finally, when I finally got down to the point of what actually worked to seal the barrel, is almost exactly what they were talking about. Uh, you know, a while back when they were trying to get their barrel, uh, one of the, I can't remember who was who had got a barrel and was trying to get it to uh, seal up. But that's the same exact thing that he had done. So I'm glad that you finally found the correct way. Now, so you emptied it, meaning you drank all the beer or you bottled the beer from it? Uh, it's in a keg. It's in a keg? Okay. And have you have you tasted it yet? Oh, yeah. I've, I've tasted it uh, quite a few times. Okay. And it, does it have – you were concerned that you may have lost some of that bourbon character – when you were doing your uh, filling it with water and steam and all that, did you did it still have a good character to it? Oh yeah, yeah, the bourbon's still there. Um, so I, I think it's going to be real nice. Okay, excellent, good job. So go out there, check out homebrewengineer.com and read all of John's great articles he has on there. All right, John, it is last call. It is time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening to this show. We ask you to please tell a friend about our show and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or TuneIn Radio or Google Play or however you listen to your podcast. And just as a reminder, we release a new show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. Cheers.